Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John, beginning in the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The word of the Lord. Thank you, Mark. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Surviving the really hot heat outside, I'm sure. 
Um, it has been absolutely brutal, but uh, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, if I haven't got the chance to meet you, uh, my name is Taylor. I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here uh, and lead our students and uh, help out with family ministries and a few other things. So uh, shameless plug for all of our students in here. Um, we love you guys. Uh, we meet every Wednesday, so come hang out with us. Um, we, you see on the screen behind me there, it's a, it, we're starting a new series today called Attributes, Praying to an All-Knowing God is going to be our topic for the day. And so I'm excited to unpack that, attributes. What does that mean? If we spend any amount of time whatsoever, we could probably spend the next year talking about all the many attributes of God, the characteristics of God. Maybe there's something in your own life, in your own faith, that you would say is your favorite attribute of God. But over the next three weeks, we want to unpack three of them. Uh, And so starting today, we're going to be looking at the word omniscience. And next week, uh, we'll dig in over the next two weeks with learning about God being omnipotent and omnipresent. And so, yes, that is a mouthful uh, I've been practicing because if I'm being honest, uh, when I learned these words, um, I read them like this. I read omniscience as omniscience, and I read omnipotent as omnipotent, whatever that means, right? And for a long time, even in ministry school, uh, where you're supposed to at that time probably have it all figured out, I didn't. It's like I had this mental block that if I saw those two words specifically, that was how it would come out, even if I was thinking the correct pronunciation. And so before we jump into our topic and the story that Mark uh, just read to us, I do want to pray real quick, and uh, we'll jump into our discussion for today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word this morning. Uh, My prayer uh, for everyone in here watching online and here in person, Lord, that we leave today knowing you a little bit better than we did when we came in. So help us to surrender the things that we need to let go of uh, so that we could fully hear Uh, and become everything you're calling us to be. So we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I want to start by asking you a question, and then we're going to kind of back up a little bit and work our way back to that same question. And that is, if you knew everything, would it change the way you approach God? Or would it change your relationship with God? You know, so we could probably ask that question and when I was thinking about it, it was like, well, we base our own relationships off of that one thought, right? If you met someone and you immediately knew that they were going to hurt you or let you down, you probably would not want to pursue that relationship any further, right? I don't think anyone wakes up and just like, man, I really need someone in my life to hurt me, right? And so, but on the flip side, that is our relationship with God. How often do we let God down? How often do we fall short? How often do we mess up? But yet, God, being all-knowing, still sent Jesus to the cross for me and for you and everyone that we know because he loves us that much. And so we're going to unpack that idea today. Let's not look at it as in that perspective of what we would base maybe our earthly relationships on this morning but the fact that God really is all-knowing and what that means for us. On this side of heaven, 
There's one person probably in all of our lives that kind of has this gift, and it's moms, right? If you're like me, my mom seemed to know everything before I got home. Or uh, if something happened or I did something, she seemed to already know. I have no idea how that worked. Uh, When I was thinking about it, uh, when I was in high school, I was in a shop class, and I don't understand how they allow 16-year-olds to uh, play with torches and welding machines and all that good stuff, but we're learning how to weld, and, uh, you know, this was a long time ago, maybe, gosh, I don't even know, 14, 15 years ago, and uh, my clothing and wardrobe has changed tremendously since I was in high school. I used to wear jeans that were uh, maybe about eight sizes too big and really baggy, Um, and I had really shaggy hair. I know you probably couldn't, wouldn't believe me now if I told you that I had hair, but I did. Um, and another thing we would do was that we would cut the inseam of our jeans. Anybody else do that, or was it just me? Or is it a North Alabama weird thing? I don't know. We would cut them, and the more you wash them, the more they would fray. Therefore, the cooler they looked. So you could wear, you know, with boots or flip-flops or whatever you wanted to wear with them, and it would still look as ridiculous as it did with the other pair of shoes. But what happened on this fateful day, I don't know if anybody's welded in here, but it's like a sick joke when you pull the thing down and you can't see anything until you strike your welding stick or whatever it's called, right? And so I'm welding and I'm trying to make just a simple line on a piece of metal about this long and my pants catch on fire, right? Because of the fray, right? Because of the fray, they catch on fire And I kid you not, before I could even get to the bathroom to clean my one leg up from the burnt jeans and nasty, you know, leg hair burnt smell, my mom was already there with a pair of jeans. And I'm like, whoa, how did you even know? And uh, instead of helping me out and, you know, burning my leg off, my teacher could see into the shop room where all, the, we're, all of we were, which is also a weird thing. Like, we're playing with fire, and he's sitting in his office watching us from afar. And uh, he had called my mom while I'm on fire. I'm like, hey, uh, Taylor's leg's on fire. Can you bring him a new pair of pants? And uh, so at first, before I knew that, I'm like, how, like, how did you know? And so as funny as that is, Moms aren't omniscient. They are incredible, and I'm thankful for my mom, and she might have a little bit of that gift, or that attribute, rather. Uh, But when we look at and break down the word omniscience, you have omni, which means all. Then you have science, which means knowledge. And so in our topic today, with God being omniscient, I want you to hold on to that question of if you were omniscient, if you knew everything, Would that change? Would it make your life better? Would it make it worse? I'm sure some of us would say they would like to know, and others would maybe say they no chance that they would like to know. And I'll get to that part in a second, because I find myself being the one that does not want to know. Um, And so there's a quote that I, I found to be pretty powerful, and it says this. It's by Neil A. Maxwell, and it says, It's only by yielding to God that we can realize his will for us. And if we truly trust God, why not yield to his loving omniscience? After all, he knows us and our possibilities much better than we do. 
And so when I read that little phrase that he knows us and our possibilities, our tendencies, the good and the bad, yet what? He still loves us. He still loves you. He still sent Jesus to the cross. But he also sees the possibilities of what we could be. Why? Because he created us. He created me with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. And it's not merited or based off of how good you do. Why? Because he is all-knowing. And so this is a daunting thing to think about. And with some, it might cause a little bit of stress in your life to try to think, oh, wow, so this God, he sees everything that I do when I mess up and I'm trying to hide it from everyone around me, parents, friends, coaches, pastors, whoever, but yet God sees it all. It might make you blush a little bit. Or it can give you this overwhelming sense of peace. And this is kind of where I find myself is like, oh, well, thank God. You know, he didn't send some lightning bolt down to smite me because I can't seem to get my life together. But he knows it all, yet he still loves me. He knows it all, but yet he still wants to give you everything. He still wants you in eternity with him. And so how can we find ourselves in the place or live our lives in a way that we have this perspective, not that we're trying to know everything, but we're trying to grow and develop and strengthen our relationship with who does know everything. To me, it takes the pressure off. And the study of omniscience, over the last month, uh, Trevor and Pastor Brian and I, who they're going to speak the next two weeks, since we met and talked about this series, I've been studying on this topic and I still feel like I am just scratching the surface. This is a broad topic. Each attribute that we're going to learn over the next three weeks is such a broad and deep topic that you could get lost for years trying to understand it all. So my goal isn't just to teach what omniscience means. My goal today is to understand what it means for us in our lives to serve a God that is omniscient and knows everything. That he's all-knowing, that it will not only challenge us to approach God differently, but will give us the confidence to push through anything we could possibly face in this life, on this side of heaven, whether it's good or bad, whether you're in the deepest, darkest valley or you're up on the highest, brightest mountain, that God is there because he loves you and he knows you and he knows everything about you. He knows where you've come from. He knows where you're going. Why? Because he created you. And that's where I want to be. And that's why I chose this story or felt like the Lord was leading me to this story immediately when we were picking, you know, which topic we wanted to talk on was the woman at the well. Michael preached last weekend and talked another story about a Samaritan. But the fact that this woman at the well is a Samaritan makes it even more powerful to me. And so in this big story that that Mark read, um, we see this woman who in the middle of the day is coming to a well to get water, the hottest part of the day. And so as we go through this, I want you to picture yourself being her. Obviously, in this story, if we're going to relate to anyone, it's the woman. And so how does this pertain to your life? How do you fit in to this story? Because this woman, 
was not just avoiding the problems in her life, but was avoiding the people in her life too because of the issues and sin that she was struggling with in her own life. Nobody would go and get water in the hottest part of the day. There's a bunch of reasons that they would go at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, because if you can imagine, the water is probably not very refreshing in the middle of the day anyways. And it's certainly not that fun um, when you're in the middle of the day. We get to experience that here. I cut our grass yesterday at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Worst decision ever. And I still feel tired from it. And so this, this lady is going, this woman's going, knowing the issues that she's got in her life, trying to hide it from the people that she knows, removing herself from the community that she perhaps needed to be able to overcome those issues in the first place. Little did she know who was going to be there waiting on her, Jesus himself. And what I love about this story is that just like in the Good Samaritan story, Jesus kind of abandons all ideologies or boundaries that you would think a Jew, a Jew would have, right? In the Good Samaritan story, the one that was robbed and beaten and laying on the side of the road was a Jew, and his fellow Jews didn't even stop and help him. It was a Samaritan. And in this story, you have a conversation between Jesus, a Jew, and a Samaritan. But yet you would think that there were no boundaries or nothing holding them back. In fact, in the story, she even mentions about basically not being allowed to go worship in the temple because she's a Samaritan. She's also a woman. In that time, there were a lot of kind of back and forth between how and roles that women would have in even the Jewish communities. So Jesus crosses over racial boundaries and gender boundaries to have this powerful moment And the result of that is a whole village encountering and meeting Jesus as the Messiah. And my favorite part of the whole story is that Jesus knew everything about this woman before an utter of the conversation had started. He knew the sin in her life, but yet he still offered her everything. He didn't make it easier for her. And we're going to read that in a few of the passages that I pulled out of this, um, and they'll be on the screen, and they're in your notes if you're reading along. And it's John 14, 6 through 18, starting off, it says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you know that now have is not even your husband. So this could be the very reason that she's trying to avoid the community that she needed in the first place because she knows that she's living wrong. But then she has this random guy at this point of the conversation reading her mail. I don't know if you've ever had that done to you before. It's not very comfortable. And you immediately try to find your way or find the quickest, fastest way out of that conversation, right? But the conversation goes on. So at this point, Jesus is already revealing that God knows everything. This is God the Son, God in flesh, calling out the issues in this woman, not to condemn her, but to prepare the way to reveal himself to her. So maybe some of you in here today have found yourself in a place to where even God, you're trying to hide what's going on in your life. 
But God will never call out the stuff in your life to condemn you. He'll call out your stuff in your life to reveal himself to you. Because that is the only way to overcome any of it is for and through repentance. So this is where it starts. And then John 4, 25 through 26, it says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So she even has this knowledge or this understanding that she thinks that God knows everything, even though this man just told her everything she had done, called her out about her relationships. But she's on her way there to fully understand by what Jesus says to her in verse 26. That Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And then John 4, 28 through 29. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So everything was just totally flipped upside down for this woman, right? She was just told by a man she had never met that this was the Messiah. And not only did he reveal to her that he was the Messiah, he told her everything that she had done. But what's interesting in that dialogue is that even after he calls her out, he says, but if you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst again. So again, Jesus is not even looking at the stuff going on in her life. He's not saying you need to go leave this guy, get your life right, go to church, be in a small group. All those things are good, but he's just, he's not looking at any of that. He's not even telling her what to do. And that's what I love so much about this story because this woman represents every one of us. How often have we ran from God? How often have we tried to be the God in our own life? Or how often have we tried to say, God, this is how I want to live. Can you do this for me? We all want to say we want to live for God, but we're unwilling to be who he's called us to be or live the way he's told us to live. We are quicker to say through our carnal, earthly, fallen mind to say and put God in a box and say, God, this is who I am. You lead me that way. But then ask where he's at when we're unwilling to live that way. Does that make sense? And so there's so much we can learn from this story, but Pastor Roger made a statement last week in his transition, and he said that it's important when you come across yet or but in the Bible because something powerful is always fixing to happen. And this is one of those stories that I think is a but God moment. Like we've said already, this lady was avoiding everyone, but God showed up. She had sin in her life, but God still used her to bring salvation to an entire village of Samaritans. But God, none of this was too big for him. None of this was, it was exactly where God wanted this woman to be. And he met her in the midst of her sin instead of trying to bring her to him. She, he stooped down to where she was. Jesus knew the sin in her life, yet he revealed himself as the Messiah to her. Jesus, despite of her struggles and shortcomings, introduced her entire village to Jesus. So can I ask you today, 
Are you struggling with shame in your life because of the things that's going on in your life? Guess what? God still wants to reveal his goodness and his love for you. Are you feeling inadequate, like you don't matter, you're not good enough to serve or to be a part of this kingdom of God, wanting that God has, or you can't, you're even thinking that I can't be who God's called me to be, but what's going on in my life? Guess what? God still wants to use you to reach your family. He still wants to use you to reach the people that you work with and the groups that you're in and all your friends. God is not looking at your sin and saying that you're inadequate or unqualified. God has qualified you because he created you. It's not based off of the sin in your life. When we allow ourselves to be unqualified or disqualified because of the sin in our lives, it's because we have put that on ourselves. We choose to live with an unrepented heart. We choose to run away from unforgiveness because we feel like we don't deserve it. Therefore, we're not being used by God. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. So knowing that God is omniscient and that he knows everything, knowing that he still has a plan for us is proof that he's the one we need to be with in the first place. I've shared this quote before, but it says this, that God placed a calling on your life already factoring in your stupidity. It's pretty comforting, right? Because if I look back on my life and I look back on the issues and struggles and addictions that I had, there's no chance I would tell you that I would be standing up here today. But God, in all his knowledge, created each one of us with a powerful plan to shake up this earth and prepare it for eternity. We get to be a part of that. When we claim the name, uh, declare the name Jesus over our lives, that is our assignment. Above anything else is to make God known. And he wants that for you today. He wants that outcome in our lives to be who we are. And so as we kind of combine this topic into prayer, what does it have to do with prayer? I'm glad you asked. Everything. These next three topics that we learn, or next two after today, has everything to do with us having the prayer life that we need to have full and strong faith on this side of heaven. Knowing that God is always there, knowing God is all-knowing, and knowing that he is all-powerful, that is why we pray to God. Because we can't do that on our own. And I struggle with this all the time. I've been struggling with it even as I'm preparing for this message. Because I have a carnal mind, full of sin, and I will run myself straight into the ground, and then I will be the first to ask where God is. And when I'm in those seasons, or I'm in those valleys, I realize every time the solution is never that God turned his back on me, no matter how much I feel that way. The answer every time is that I turn my back on God, Because I convinced myself that I knew better. That I was the all-powerful one. 
That if I was going to get over the struggles in my life or, or live the way even I wanted to live for God, then it was me that I needed to put in the effort. I needed to listen to those podcasts or read those books or be in this group or confess to these people when I'm trying to do all that on my own without bringing God with me or going to God first. I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. And there's two passages in Scripture that I feel like more than anything else has given me a better understanding and why I need to pray consistently and full of discipline to an omniscient, all-knowing God. And the first passage is Psalm 139, 1-6, and it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. And there's so much just in these six verses that can literally transform our lives in a second. Like the very first phrase, you've searched me and known me. Known, past tense, know everything about you, know the good, know the bad, and I still love you. He's all-knowing. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you see everything that I'm doing, yet you still love me. You discern my thoughts. You search out my path, lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. And you know everything I say before I even utter a word in that last verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful, wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Why would you want that? Why would you want to be in control if you know the pain you've caused yourself this far? It's not like a video game where you can just push reset every time it gets hard and go back to where you left off. There's consequences and there's soul ties that we develop in our own lives. But when we get close to the only person that knows everything, we begin to feel and experience freedom. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways are my ways, declares the Lord, but for us the heavens, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think about Isaiah when he was told this. Like, Isaiah is a hard book to read. Everything seems to be going wrong. Children of Israel seem to be royally screwing things up. And then this is what he's encouraged with. Don't base your life off what you see everyone else doing. Don't base your life on the pain that you're feeling. Trust me because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. You don't understand what I'm doing right now, but you're going to experience the freedom that I have for your life if you just trust me coming from an all-knowing God. So your life may look like a train wreck. There may be waves bigger than you could even think where you can't even remotely see past them. But guess what? But God. God knows. God sees it. It's as if, you, if you're looking in a maze and you can see the start and you can see the end. And your life is all this stuff. 
There's only one person that sees it, and that's God. He sees the start, and he sees the end. He sees the beginning of every situation. You walk in, and he sees the ending and the goodness of how if you just stay the course and obedient to him and follow his ways, that there will be blessing on the other side of that. He wants that for you. And so when I read the six verses of 139 in Isaiah 55, I can't help but want to just lay everything at the feet of God because I'm tired of messing things up for myself. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been praying for something time and time again, and it still hasn't been answered. Don't stop. God is trying to teach you something. He's trying to show you something. And I've been trying for three weeks now, trying to come up with these pastorally sound sticky statements that maybe you could hang on your refrigerator that makes all this make much more sense or that much sense. But when I was praying about it, the only thing I could, I felt like I was hearing was that we're all different. Praying to an omniscient God may be different for you than it is for me. You may be struggling with something that I'm not, and I might be going through something that you're not. So this might mean something a little bit different. So I challenge you there on your notes, whatever God is revealing to you right now, write that down. And how different would it look if you had the perspective, an eternal perspective of praying to an omniscient God, of drawing close to the one that knows everything. And the one thing that I'm glad, and I've mentioned this already, is that I don't want, I couldn't handle myself to know everything. I worry about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. There's no way I could know the good, the highs, the lows, the bad, the valleys, the mountains, and know when they're coming. Sure, if, if God revealed all the good stuff, I could, you know, build excitement. Every time Shelby wants to try to surprise me with something, I literally make it my life's goal is to trap her so she'll reveal it to me sooner. I've only been successful once. And, um, but I don't want that with God. I want to trust him. The more I know, the worse off I am. We've all seen the movie Bruce Almighty, right? Like I, I, I would be that way, like walking around and just losing it all. Granted, he's God in that movie and he just, you know, control all whatever and says yes to all these prayers. But the, the anxiety that he felt once it became too much. I don't want to know that. But I want, to know, I want to be close to the one who does. I want to be close to the one that sees an opportunity in my mess. I want to be close to the one, because think about it. When you're thinking or struggling through the turmoil in your own life or the struggles in your own life, I guarantee you, you don't see or think, man, this is really going to be, benefit someone else soon. You're just like, man, I really want to get out of this. But God sees it as an opportunity to reveal himself to someone else. Why? Because he's all-knowing. And so I want to close today with this thought that when I see shame, God sees grace. When I see fear, God sees strength. When I feel lost, God sees me already at the destination that he has for me. He loves me through any mess that I could be in. And as the band comes up and we get ready to close, 
Last week, uh, Shelby and I went back to Alabama for a funeral. And up until that point, I felt like God had showed me a lot about praying to an omniscient God or building a relationship with an omniscient God. And then I went to this funeral and I felt like God gave me an entire new perspective. And it was for my friend Trey. I was with him in ministry school right before I moved here, actually. And he and his family, along with their four boys, were on a cruise ship. And the first night of the cruise ship, he had a brain aneurysm. And they end up flying him to a hospital in Orlando where um, he would eventually pass away a month later. And when you know someone that's passed away, it's a little easier to celebrate their life when you know their eternity. You know they're with Jesus. But when we were at the funeral, watching this family walk with such joy, it rocked me. Like if you walked in this funeral and didn't know who had passed away, you would have thought his wife and his four boys were there to support the family who had actually lost someone. And his sons were around 18 to 15 years old, 14 years old. And they told a story about his second to oldest son when they were on the cruise ship. So in the midst of all the chaos, I would be an absolute wreck if I was on there. But this 16-year-old was calm. And six crew members of this cruise ship whether I would assume maybe the emergency personnel, walk up to this 16-year-old and said, man, why are you so calm right now? And he said, I have peace. To which they respond, well, where do you get this peace from? And he said, Jesus. And right there on this cruise ship, as a 16-year-old, watching his dad pass away, led all six adults to a relationship with Jesus. And then I hear Haven, his wife, encouraging everyone. And what a lot of people didn't know about Trey is that 10 years almost to the day, as a 34-year-old, he had a massive stroke. And I know a few people that's had a pretty massive stroke and have survived. And usually you see something that shows that they had had a stroke, facial paralysis or some kind of paralysis on one side of their body. Trey was pronounced dead when he had this stroke. And they revived him and he made a 100% recovery and lived 10 years longer. And what I learned by watching this family go through this, are they hurting? Absolutely. Do they wish their dad, their husband was still there? 100%. But they celebrate because he's with Jesus. And he led them in such a way that as a 15-year-old and as a 16-year-old, the day after the funeral went to a served it to serve other people and show them Jesus. That's what it means to pray or pursue to an all-knowing God. Did they know that this was going to happen? No, they didn't. But God did, 
And I'm willing to bet right now the main thing they're celebrating along with the blessing that this dad poured into their kids was that they're celebrating the fact that their dad is in heaven in eternity with Jesus. And here's the truth. He probably wouldn't come back if he could because he's with Jesus. We've all experienced things. We've all experienced pain, but that's the faith that I want. To know that I serve a God that knows everything. And when I walk into these seasons, it's going to be painful. And then I'm going to want to give up. He already sees me on the other side of it. He already sees you on the other side of it. Does it make it that much harder to lose someone? Sure. That's never going to be easy. But this side of heaven is not our home. When we have Jesus in our hearts, eternity is coming. And so I want to declare this over each of us today is that I pray to God not to get from God, but to get with God. Because here's the harsh reality that I feel like God has been showing me lately is that if God doesn't give me anything else for the rest of my life, the fact that in the midst of it all, he gave his son to me, he has done more than enough. And I want you to experience that today. That we don't pray to God to get stuff from him. Sure, the Bible even tells us to tell him what we need. But the very act of prayer isn't to receive from him, it's to get with him. And for him to lead you and to build you up and strengthen you. And over the next two weeks, when we learn how powerful he is and how he's always with us, my prayer is that this is the starting point to a powerful increase of the powerful knowledge and always present God in your life. That we can get to a place where we can let down and surrender everything, the sin in our lives, because the one who gave it all wants to be with you and has a plan for you. Because he holds every one of our lives in his hands and he created us with a powerful plan to serve people and love people. And if we don't have that mindset, and we're only focused on us, we miss it all. So maybe you're in here today and you feel like maybe you haven't even accepted Jesus or or met Jesus or surrendered your life into Jesus. Let today be that day. Maybe you've gone a long time now with just holding on to life like this and it's time that you just let go of it to experience the fullness of God, the omniscience of God. Remember the quote, why not yield to his loving omniscience? After all, he knows us and our possibilities much better than we do. That's the relationship with God that I want. He wants that for you too. So Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, that if there is someone in here that doesn't know you, that today is that day. And it's so much than just some sinner's prayer. But it's an act of surrender, of waving the white flag, of saying, God, I am nothing without you. Please 
save me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Just mean it in your heart and let today be the day of your salvation. And maybe it's just time to get back on the right track. Just take a moment in your seat and as we worship to just hand it over to God. Say, God, I know that you know everything. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what pain I'm going to face next or what joy I'm going to face next, but you do. And I surrender my life to you, Lord. And Father, as we worship this morning, as we close out this service, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Help us to not view ourselves by the pain that we face or the seasons that we're in, even despite of trying to know, but to get closer to you because you do know. You knew everything about us. You even knew that we might not ever love you back. And yet you still chose to surrender your only son and sacrifice your only son for us. When the only thing we can give you is a mite, you still gave us everything. So God, be with us this morning. Be with us as we leave here. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.